Welcome to the world premiere of That's Debatable, a show where I, Creed Finnefrock, and me, Miles Avalez, discuss world issues going on right now. And today we'll be talking about the Mercer Island homelessness ban that many of you probably heard about. So the Mercer Island City Council recently voted six to one in support of a law that creates a ban on homelessness camping on public property. Violations of this law could result in a misdemeanor which according to Washington law is $1,000 or 90 days in jail. And this law only applies when no shelter is available. And so I'm going to be arguing in support of this law that's been passed and Creed will be arguing in opposition. Yeah, so one of the biggest things that um, people uh, in opposition of this law have been highlighting is that it seems extremely unethical to ban people um, just because they are homeless in a sense, um, which is a very interesting talking point. Um, and then another thing that people in opposition of this bill are saying is that um, there really needs to be a new solution proposed as the homeless shelters around Mercer Island were not even consulted when um, this bill was made or proposed. Yeah, I think ideally you'd want to get these people into houses. But the question I think is, is this law in particular going to help or hurt the people? So as for your first point, you said that- Many people address this as being unethical. Yeah. yeah. In a sense. Yeah, I, I really don't get that because- the law is to help people get into shelters because the law only applies when no shelter is available, right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Well, the law applies when there is shelter available where they will be banned, uh, where they are banned from uh, setting up camp or whatever in public property um, when there are homeless shelters available. And mm -hmm. when there aren't homeless shelters available, as you said, there will, they, they are allowed to live. Um, on public property. Yeah. And then another interesting thing that was noted in this ban is that um, even living in your car um, or like spending the night in your car on Mercer Island par parking lots or private or public pro property is also banned, which is something that um, also seems in a sense, not, not as not necessarily nonsensical, but uh, kind of confusing in a way, where you know these people, it's it's their car, right? And so, you know, mm -hmm. why shouldn't they be able to sleep in it? But I think, you know, many people have different ideas about this. Uh, what what do you think about that, Miles? I mean, it is public property, to be fair, and you got to think about what the property is intended to be used for. It's meant to be used for mostly short-term overday parking. So someone using it overnight is kind of hindering why it's used in the first place. And this is one of the reasons that the city council gave for the law, actually. Okay. Yeah, that, that seems to make sense. Um, what were some of the things that uh, people agreeing with this ban um, said as, as a way to support it? One thing is it can protect like businesses on the island from the negative effects of homeless tents in the area because 
like it or not, there is somewhat of a stigma against homeless shelters or not shelters, homeless tents or camps. And so if like a homeless person was camped on public property in proximity to a business, that probably wouldn't be ideal for the business and it could really hurt their livelihood. Okay, an example of that might be where, you know, the homeless camps are uh, maybe, or like with the car thing, you know, maybe they could be taking places um, in the parking lot. And so it might restrict, um, you know, people who are going to enter those stores from parking nearby or whatever, and it might cut down businesses. Is that, you know, some sort of example for that? Yeah, yeah. I think I saw in the news, like Q13 a few days ago in, in Seattle, there was someone who had to close their business because of like illegal activity and the presence of homeless tents near the building. So that's one thing to consider for sure. Okay. So one of the main talking points then is how this ban can help protect uh, the businesses of Mercer Island. Um and keep those going, and then also, um, uh, you know, help get those homeless people into a better situation with, um, you know, putting them into the shelters, right? Is that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I'd say the threat of, or the threat of a misdemeanor, it's not really applicable, because no one's going to choose that over moving to an available shelter. It's more of a a motivator to get people to get help and an opportunity mm -hmm. for police to provide people with that kind of help. And yeah, the police chief at home said as much. He said, experiencing homelessness is not a crime and that we tr truly do try to connect people and meet them in their hour of need and get them the help they need. Yeah. And I think one of the main reasons that some of the people that disagree with this bill um well when some of the reasons they're upset is because uh they believe that the effort put into this bill and you know restricting people from camping in these areas that effort or money used could be put towards a actual homeless shelter on mercer island and mercer island currently does not have a homeless shelter and it doesn't really have a great way to get people to to a homeless shelter and so i think that's that's one reason people are trying to have the Merseyland City Council reconsider this vote um, and consult with the homeless shelters around around Mercer Island to see if they can come up with a better idea to solve this problem. Yeah, yeah. There's a big perception that Mercer Islanders are just kind of like being snobs, I guess, and they're just trying to like get homeless people off of the island, which is, I guess, what they're doing by getting people into shelters. But the reality is that shelters cost a lot of money to make. And in the short term, that's not, that's not necessarily viable as of like right this moment. What they can do is make a law. Okay. Yeah, that's an interesting point is that, you know, maybe Mercer Island doesn't have the funds necessary to keep up a shelter or, you know, have that worked. And also, um, 
I guess one more thing that might add to your point is that Mercer Island does have an extremely small homeless population, but that, that kind of goes both ways in this discussion. Um, people are arguing that because there's such a small homeless population, like half a dozen or less even, uh, frequent homeless people on Mercer Island, people are reasoning that, hey, because it's such a small amount, maybe it actually wouldn't be so bad just to let them be here. But then, you know, uh, the side arguing for this bill could be like, well, yes, it's such a small, such a small thing, but because it's, you know, there's so, so few people, uh, homeless people on Mercer Island, maybe that way it would actually be easier for them to get to these homeless shelters because there's not a mass amount of people trying to get into them from Mercer Island. Yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting thing. Yeah. It's a good point. But also I think with this small amount of people, the police officers, they know like each individual person right now experiencing homelessness. And so, and they were the ones who were promoting this law. And so it would be presumable. Uh, the police, that, the police is who is promoting. Yeah. Well, okay. Okay. The, the police chief was promoting this law. Okay. Just confirming. Yeah. And so it stands to reason that they would know best what would work and what would not work. Yeah, because they have a direct relation to this sort of problem. Yeah, yeah. Also, yeah, another makes... sorry. Go also, ahead. another thing is that we've had a ban on camping in city parks for thirty years, and people have camped there a handful of times. Except, no one's ever been arrested. So that gives me confidence that the current police administration is pretty sensible when it comes to enforcing these laws. And so they're not going to, they're not just going to be looking for an excuse to like give someone a misdemeanor or arrest them. Okay. Yeah. That brings, yeah, that's an interesting point. Um, yeah. Um, something, something that was brought up is city councilman, Jake Jacobson, um, who approved the ordinance had previously complained that there's fear out there regarding the homeless issue. Um, but what do you think about that statement and how that may have been intended um, and interpreted by people of Mercer Island in the media? Yeah, I mean, it is kind of a vague statement, really. Like, yeah, there's fear out there. Like, that's that's not that much. That's not a very good reason to enforce a law, really. Mm hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's interesting. Um, but what, what I meant was, uh, what do you think he meant by that, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Like, do you think he meant it in a negative type of way or a way that, you know, might be like, hey, I have concern for the people of Mercer Island hmm. or there are issues that come with homelessness? Uh, what, how do you interpret that statement that he made? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to say because... Once something is in text, it's hard to know, like, the full tone and context of yeah how it was said. Yeah, and it's, all, it's like a very small statement, too. So it does yeah. make it seem like, you know, you, you would need the full context. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I guess some residents might just be fearful that we could end up like Seattle in a way. And that's, mm -hmm. I mean, that's not going to happen because we're not really the the urban center that Seattle is. 
So that's less likely to happen, but I guess that's just what people are thinking. Just a concern that, you know, we don't want to end up in that type of state. Yeah. 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 That's interesting. And then here's something that Brianne Schuster, an attorney for the ACLU of Washington argued, um, she said, you can't criminalize things that are out of their control, uh, meaning homeless people. Um, and so what, what do you think about that? Because she says, so the fact that someone can't afford housing and therefore be forced to live on public property, you can't punish them or make that illegal. Um, I think that's really an interesting statement. But mm-hmm. I also wanted to know your thoughts on that, that statement, too. I think that would be 100% legit if it actually was a ban on homelessness. But the police chief has said that experiencing homelessness is not a crime. If there is shelter space available, then it will not be enforced. So it's not that experiencing homelessness is a crime. It's that these people should kind of have to go to a shelter to get the help they need. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I feel like that statement that was made, um, you know, there there are probably, a, you know, one or two problems in that where maybe Brianne misinterpreted this whole situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does, does bring up an interesting, you know, an interesting conversation of criminalizing things that may be out of someone's control, um, where some may argue that being homeless is out of the homeless person's control. And then others may say, you know, I think there are ways for homeless people to get out of this, as in going to homeless shelters, as Mercer Island's proposing, or, you know, um, trying to find good jobs, um, which can be extremely hard to do if you are homeless. So I think that's an interesting conversation that could be brought up from that statement made. Mm -hmm. Yeah, one thing I read about was part of what makes Seattle's homeless problem so large and uh, similar to the one of San Francisco is that more people want to live in Seattle than the city can actually support. Like there aren't enough jobs and housing, affordable housing to go around. And so people with less high paying jobs might have more trouble being able to pay the rent to live here really. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, How Seattle's getting so, like such a large flow of people trying to enter. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, in a sense that, you know, that could be good for Seattle, but, you know, also not at the same time. Um, something I want to go back to is how the homeless shelters around Mercer Island uh, were kind of upset at this decision that was made by Mercer Island um, because Mercer Island didn't consult with those shelters um, on how, how to address this issue of homelessness on Mercer Island. Um, uh, this is a quote from Elisa Chetinsky, uh, executive director of the Sophia Way, which is an uh, organization that runs Helen's Place in Kirkland, which is a homeless shelter. Um, she said, I wish Mercer Island would have reached out to us and talked to us and educated themselves about what helps somebody um, who is really experiencing homelessness. Um, I think that's very interesting, you know, um, how Mercer Island probably could, I mean, they definitely could have made a better decision in this case. Um, 
by trying to meet up with these, you know, homeless shelters to get their view on it. Yeah, it could have helped, I think, probably to wait and consult with, like, the shelters, as you said. So, Creed, have you heard about the Maslow's hierarchy of needs? Yeah, I have. Um, Can you go into that for our listeners? Okay, so basically, it's the idea that some needs are more basic than others. Some are more immediate, that is. And so things at the bottom of the hierarchy are really the most immediate are physiological needs like air, water, food, shelter, sleep, and clothing. And then up higher on the hierarchy, things get more optional, I guess. I don't know if that's the right way to describe that, but less immediate needs. So right after physiological needs, there's safety. And then up closer to the top, there's things like love and belonging. And so what the city council is trying to do in this instance is provide the most basic needs for the people so they can climb the ladder, so to speak, of their needs. Yeah, that that's interesting. Um, so I think, you know, I may be wrong, but I think what you're meaning by this is what the city council is doing is they're trying to address those basic needs as soon as they can um so it can give the homeless people a boost in this situation um whereas people that are against this ban might be saying you know we should go we should wait a bit longer to find a better solution but by doing that you know maybe that would put off the basic needs for a longer which is something nobody wants right yeah is is that kind of what you're going for there yeah that's it Awesome. All right. Well, that was a great conversation on the Mercer Island homelessness ban. Um, And now it's up to you, the listener, to decide on your opinion of this whole situation, what has been done and what could have been done. Uh, And make sure to stay tuned for more as we'll be coming back in our next segment to talk about world news. And yeah, make sure to keep listening on KMIH 88.9 The Bridge. And we'll be back soon. And we're back here on That's Debatable to talk about some random news and stuff on the internet. So, Creed, why don't you take it away? Yeah, so this is something more science-y that's pretty interesting that actually is super recent. Um, It was just yesterday when this news article came out, but it's uh, Renaissance-era letters that have been sealed for centuries have been virtually unfolded and read for the first time. So what it is, is there's a bunch of these letters that were discovered, um, but they can't be opened normally because these papers are folded in a way that's known as uh, letter locking, where there weren't necessarily envelopes back in the time that these were written or easily accessible envelopes. And so when it was a uh, letter that was supposed to be more secretive, the papers would be folded in a way that would kind of lock the paper within itself. Um, But because these letters are so old now, um, there is not a way to open these letters and read them without actually breaking the paper or cutting it. And because these letters are so valuable in a sense for, you know, researching what was going on in this time period in the 17th century, um, uh, they're not willing to cut them. Uh, Scientists are not 
who are researching them. And so what have been what has been done is these letters inside the box that they were discovered in have been x-rayed and each letter that has been x-rayed was then put up onto a computer and virtually unfolded um, where the x-rays would show up and then they would take the full the way that the letters were letter locked and unfold them virtually for those letters to be read. Um, and it's really, really interesting how this is done. Um, and so this, it's a 3d digital digital reconstruction of these letters. Um, and one of the, one of the main ones was actually written July 31st in 1697 by a man in France who was writing to his cousin asking for an official death certificate for another relative. So these, um, this letter locking tech, uh, you know, this x-ray technology to kind of read and unfold these letter locked letters um, is pretty, pretty amazing. And it's going to help get a lot more information out so that, you know, these old letters from around the world won't have to be destroyed when they're being read or if they're going to be read. So that's, that's a pretty amazing scientific type thing for this week that uh, came out. Anyways, yeah. Miles, what do you have? Um, well, for all you sports fans out there, I know, and Seahawks fans in particular, I know you're just so sad right now because J.J. Watt is now an Arizona Cardinal. It's really a shame because Russell Wilson's already been complaining about how much he's been getting hit. And so this just exas- exacerbates that problem. Is that the right word? <laughs> Something. Or expands the problem, I guess, would be a, a good way to say it, I guess. Yeah, but Matthew Stafford coming and now this. Yeah, it's just not what you like to see. And adding J.J. Watt to the line with Chandler Jones already, that's been terrorizing the Seahawks for so long. It's just, just terrible. Yeah, I think football. Well, sorry, I just I just got confused soccer and football for a second. But um, yeah, American football has been having a good amount of trade news recently with Russell Wilson, um, mm-hmm. you know, and then recently uh, I'm a Vikings fan. So this kind of pertains towards, you know, me in a sense, but uh, Kyle Rudolph was just released after playing for the Minnesota Vikings for 10 years, um, which is really, it's a bummer for Vikings fans, but at the same time, you know, it's, it was great to have him while he was here and he, he actually was a pro bowl MVP, which was really cool. And yeah, so there's, there's a good amount of trade news going around. And, uh, also another thing for the Vikings, I've noticed a lot of news articles, uh, wondering what is going to be done with the Kirk Cousins situation. You know, is he going to be traded? Is he going to be kept and have a better type of offensive line around him? Um, Cause the wide receiver core and running back core is insane for Minnesota already or, and then what's going to happen to the Minnesota defense. So th- those are a couple of interesting sports things. Mm-hmm. Oh, one more mi- big thing for sports. Um, Manchester city over in England uh, has gone on an insanely large unbeaten streak lately. I don't, I think they have won their last 
Okay, so they have been undefeated in their last 27 games, I think it is, 27 or 28, and they've won the last 20, 20 of those, I think. So that's that's just an amazing streak. Um, and it's pretty much never been done before. They're pulling ahead of all the other teams in their group. I think they're ahead by 10 points right now in the English Premier League. Um, and yeah, they're on there. If they continue on this unbeaten streak, they could get as much as 98 points this season. Um, close to breaking the 100, but uh, not this year. Um, but that's if they keep going undefeated. And so, yeah, that's a, that's another big thing. Just a top tier team, just popping off like crazy. You never, you never see a team go 20 games without losing. So that's a, yeah, it's pretty amazing story. Mm-hmm. It's like reminds me of the Golden State Warriors back in like 2016 or whatever it was. They went 73 and nine, and yet still managed to lose in the championship. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily for them, though, in uh, English football, I don't think there's a playoffs. Is there? Um, I don't. Well, there's not necessarily a playoff. There, there's different types of kind of leagues. So the top teams in the main league, like the English premier league or the championship league or whatever, those top teams will usually get placed in a sort of cup type tournament setting. And so that's, it's not really like a playoff, but it's more of a tournament. And then in, in those main leagues, there's usually not playoffs like there is in the MLS as we see each year. Um, and just a correction on my previous statements, Man City has actually won 21 of their last 28 games, I think. Um, and so Man City has equaled longstanding Arsenal record uh, for win streak. It's, it's amazing um, how good they've been. And without star midfielder Kevin De Bruyne for quite a few of those games. So, yeah. Anyways... And anything else you got, Miles? Um, that's about it. Nothing's really happened this week, really. Yeah, it, it has been more of a quiet week. Oh, wow. Yeah, I just keep looking more into these Man City statistics and just getting more and more amazed. They are 15 points ahead of the second-place team, which is basically five wins ahead of the second-place team for people who may not know these you know, how the standings work is soccer standings. I got to be honest, are really confusing. Um, for a win, you get three points for a tie, you get one and for a loss, you get none. But anyways, yeah. Um, I think that's it for our show this week and, uh, make sure to keep listening on KMIH 88 and on the bridge for more music and conversation that spans generations. Peace out. <laughs>